For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Support for this podcast is provided by Subchuck Law. Revolution Recap thanks Subchuck Law for their support of our show, local independent media, and their mission of bringing unbiased truth. Revolution Recap would also like to thank Six Point Builders for their support. Six Point Builders are builders of fine, custom homes in the Boston metropolitan area. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Revolution Recap. We have a lot of Revolution news for you today. End-of-year roster decisions were announced. The Revolution have a new sporting director, kind of an old sporting director, but a new, technically a new sporting director. Uh, they have a new designated player, also kind of kind of an old designated player, but a new designated player. Uh, and there's a trade potentially in the works for the New England Revolution. All that and more on this week's Revolution Recap. I'm Greg Johnstone. Joining me today from the Blazing Musket, it is the best boss in the world, Sam Minton. Sam, how are you today? Doing good, Greg. Uh, always love when you uh, call me your boss. Uh, but yeah, doing good. Packed day full of uh, news for the revolution, a lot to talk about, but definitely very happy to be back on Revolution Recap. Yeah, you had a busy day traveling down to Gillette Stadium for a press conference that we will get into a little bit later. Uh, but we're also joined by the Blazing Muskets' newest contributor, Tom, Tom Pinzoni. Tom, uh, welcome to the show. Thank you. Really uh, excited to be here. You guys have been doing, uh, you know, some great conversations in your recent episodes and um, happy to jump in and hopefully be able to keep that going. And Tom, uh, just for our listeners, uh, he will be doing some revs and RIFC coverage in 2024. So very, very exciting to add another person into the fold and kind of increase our coverage uh, over at the Blazing Musket. Make sure you follow them on Twitter and, of course, subscribe to the Substack. Isn't that right, Sam? That, that is right for five bucks a month you can become a paid subscriber but also too if you even just want to become a three subscriber get all the news from all of new england soccer right to your email inbox uh to sign up for that it'd be greatly appreciated especially heading into what will be an interesting time to be a revs fan plenty of soccer around the region with hartford athletic rhode island fc and vermont green uh, so definitely come on down and can't forget nwsl the boston all that and more over at the Blazing Musket. And before we get into the roster decisions and a lot of news uh, from the New England Revolution, I want to tell you about our friends over at Bet Online. The holiday season is off and rolling with NFL in full stride and the NBA and NHL hitting midseason form. Bet Online is your number one destination for all of your sports wagering info with up to the minute sports wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions. Bet Online is the top spot for everything pro and amateur sports. And it's not just the big four. Bet Online has info available at your fingertips tips with both desktop and mobile access at any time for almost any sport that's played from MMA to international soccer to, of course, the MLS playoffs. So head to BetOnline today and remember to use our promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That is promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. 
let's get into some roster decisions. Um, a lot of yeah. players with guaranteed roster spots, uh, but here are the big names that you should know about. First off, there are three players that are out of contract, Gustavo Bo, Omar Gonzalez, Justin Rennicks. We'll talk about those three a little bit later. For the players that had team options, we learned a little bit about them. Uh, Andrew Farrell, Carlos Heel, Jacob Jackson, Damian Rivera, Ryan Spaulding, and Ian Harks all will be staying with the Revolution for next season. Ian Harks actually has a two-year option, so he'll be with the team for the next two years unless he's traded uh, or released. In terms of options declined, Nima Botang, Maciel, Christian McCoon, Ben Ravino, yes, he was still on the roster, uh, and Ben Sweat all had their options declined. Anyone I didn't mention has a guaranteed contract, so they're on the team for next season. Uh, let's get to our key takeaways brought to you by our friends over at The Rebellion. Go to anyrebellion.org to learn how you can become a member for next season. Uh, but Sam, what was your key takeaway from these options? Anything stand out to you? Any surprises from today's announcements? Yeah, I wouldn't say that there's a lot of surprises. You know, if I have to give a key takeaway, it's just that this is kind of what we expected and it just now finally happened. You know, when it came to Gustavo Bo, obviously coming with that DP contract and you have someone like a younger Thomas Shankalai coming in, getting that DP contract, it was it was almost the final nail in the coffin. And, you know, he struggled with injuries. When he is on the field, he is able to score at a high clip. Um, but it, it just seemed like it was time for both sides to move on. So, again, you see that, you know, Ima Boateng is a little bit surprising just based on his performance off the bench and the minimal amount of money he was making this season. Again, it seems like he's just going to be testing through agency and kind of seeing what's out there. And if not, coming back to New England. Uh, if there was one thing that was a little bit surprising. I guess you could say Maciel, obviously, the international slot. Doesn't exactly help him, but, you know, was just recovering from an injury. Spent the entire past season with Reds, too. Uh, you know, maybe you could have gotten a little bit more out of him. Maybe there was some more time to see him develop. Uh, but overall, I would say there wasn't really a lot of surprises. Tom, uh, well, actually, before I get to Tom, for, for your thoughts on these roster decisions, I do want to uh, give some quotes because you mentioned Gustavo Bo. Um Kurt Anolfo made some comments to the Boston Globe yesterday saying, quote, Gustavo has been a really valuable player for us since 2019. He's been very productive when he's been healthy and available to play. Obviously, without having a designated player spot, it makes things more difficult to keep a player of his caliber around. He also said at the press conference today, Gustavo was a player that I was instrumental in bringing here to the club. And I have a very strong and uh, I have a strong, very close relationship with Gustavo and love Gustavo. But the minute we picked up the option and bought Thomas Shankalai, we that meant that we had three designated players and at that point. It makes it much more difficult to sign a player like Gustavo Bo. Uh, he also says that I stay open-minded, that there is still a possibility he returns, but he is basically saying Gustavo Bo is leaving the New England, New England Revolution, which we've been talking about um, kind of all year long. I don't think there's much surprise from us, but I think a lot of fans uh, of the Revolution that didn't realize he was out of contract are, are feeling very sad today that he is leaving the club. Uh, Tom, did you have anything that Sam didn't touch on? Any surprises? Any names stand out to you in today's roster decisions? Uh, I, mean, I think it's tough to be surprised by the revs at this point. But, um, you know, I think the, the one thing that jumped out to me is, you know, is, is Boateng, you know, second year in a row, not having his option picked up. Uh, you know, he stepped up. He's actually stepped up quite well after Barrero. Uh, both had a red card in April and then came back and had his subsequent season-ending injury. You know, he had a string of really strong performances uh, in April and May. Uh, you know, he's, he's popped up with a couple of important goals, a couple of important assists, you know, his match ratings, uh, you know, the eight games 
uh, after Barrero's injury, you know, were, were really good from week to week. And so it's it's kind of disappointing to see someone that, you know, is a veteran player. Um, you know, like Sam mentioned, he's 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 on very, very small uh, money for for you know an MLS player. Um, so to see him kind of cut loose again, you know, it, it, I think that was a bit disappointing. Uh, not necessarily surprising, but, you know, I, I, I think there definitely is a room for for somebody like him on on a team that is trying to compete and and you know is in a kind of a win now uh, mentality absolutely and you know what's interesting about Botang is last year he was he had his option declined I think a lot of people were very confused about that and I think last year he made around a quarter of a million dollars and the revs brought him back this year on a supplemental uh, roster contract which is basically a minimum for a, a senior player so he makes about ninety thousand um, dollars he had an option for next year. I wonder if there was a raise involved in that where maybe he's getting kind of a very large bump up because I can't imagine that he's not worth a minimum salary at this stage. He is getting up there a little bit in age. I believe he's around 30, but he's still very effective for being a role player, for being a guy that comes off of the bench. And he did step up into the starting lineup a little bit this year as well. So uh, he certainly was a quality player for the team. And it's very surprising that we're sitting here in the same spot two years in a row uh, where his option is declined and we're all kind of scratching our head. And by the way, this is also the second year in a row. Option declined on Ima Botang. But it's picked up for Damian Rivera. And so last year we kind of speculated maybe the Revs feel Damian Rivera as the younger player. Maybe they expect him to step up a little bit off the bench as kind of a winger. Um, I, I don't know. That, that's kind of an interesting thing I noticed that Rivera has been picked up two years in a row and Botang has been dropped two years in a row. Anolfo did say that they stay in communication with Botang, but we'll see how that goes. I'm sure he's going to test the free agent market. Uh, one name I, I just wanted to drop out was, was Andrew Farrell. His option was picked up, and I think a lot of people expect Farrell to be with the Revolution after you know being here for you know over a decade at this stage uh, since he was selected number one overall in the Super Draft. But one thing that's interesting is that if you remember, Andrew Farrell signed a contract before the season uh, that was a one-year contract with two team options, and they they signed him with TAM. And usually when you are signed with TAM, you have to make a certain amount of money. It's about $650,000. So Andrew Farrell got a raise from, I believe it was 425 or 430 up to 650 this last season. It seemed like they are giving him a raise. So they had two years of options uh, and, and maybe give the team a little bit more leverage. I wonder if that option for next season is still at that $650,000 level uh, because I think at this stage, Andrew Farrell has a backup role on this team uh, behind Henry Kessler and Dave Romney, maybe with Brandon by out a a little bit at the beginning of next year, as he recovers from his injury, maybe they feel Andrew Farrell is a little bit more valuable to them uh, moving over to right back from time to time. uh, And we'll get to a right back that the revs might be acquiring later on in this episode, a little foreshadowing there, but I was a little surprised to see at that number, if that number is, translating over to 2024 and beyond that that option was picked up and the revs did not renegotiate a contract with Andrew Farrell because I expected him to maybe come back on a little bit lower of a salary. So it'll be interesting to see the MLSPA data uh, when it's uh, revealed uh, next year. Uh, and one other thing too, I just want to say there's no surprise really with Bo, no surprise with Omar, no surprise with Justin Rennix, but it, will, it is kind of sad to see Justin Rennix leave um, just from the fact of what this guy was supposed to be when he came into this organization. He's been with the, team on a supplemental roster spot for four or five years was never able to accomplish anything really with the, the senior team he did have some moments he did have some goals um, but was always a depth piece on this team uh, and it's a really really far fall from him going to the u20 world cup and being with the national team setup um, i remember when he signed there was a 
a lot of hype and a lot of excitement about what he might be. Um, and it's just an end of an era and an end of disappointment uh, with Justin Rennox leaving. So hopefully he finds a nice home home somewhere in USL uh, or somewhere else in MLS. Uh, but kind of an end of an era in a, in a small way. And I, I don't think a lot of people really notice it. So, uh, Sam, any thoughts on anything I said there? Yeah, you know, when it comes to Farrell, it definitely seems like the Revs are preparing to be without Brandon Bayer for quite some time. Heading into the season, you know, Curtin Alpha said today he'll basically be like a mid-season signing. Said the same about Dylan Barrero, but Barrero might be able to return a little bit earlier. So obviously having someone like Farrell who is, you know, can play center back, be that guy off the bench, but also too as well play right back is a valuable asset. And it just seems like he's destined to play his entire career here. You know, does that money lined up? I think he might be making more than Dave Romney, uh, you know, with those numbers that were given. Uh, is that worth it? That remains to be seen. Um, but also, too, with Renix, it really seems like he's a player who's destined, you know, for the USL championship. That seems like a league where he would be able to really shine. And obviously, you know, with Rhode Island FC, that rumor are those dots might be easy to connect. So it'll be interesting to see you know, if he makes it on the roster, but just, I would say USL championship in general, wouldn't surprise me to see him uh, end up in that league. Uh, yeah, I agree with Sam that, uh, you know, I, look, Renix is also, he's 24 years old. So, I mean, for him, if, if he's going to have any sort of a, a real senior career, I, I think he might even be a year or two past the point of, of being somewhere where he can get playing time on a regular basis. And, uh, you know, like he said, Rhode Island FC, I think that would be a perfect place for him to go, I think it would also be a smart signing, uh, you know, for for that club to bring in, a, you know, get a little bit of a pop from a, a local name who's been with the Revs for a long time. Uh, so I definitely, I just think that's that's pretty clearly his level, uh, and at the age he's at, you know, I'm, I'm sure he wants to play. Um, you know, and and going back to what you said about Rivera, if I was Rivera, you know, I. I think I actually probably would, would rather be on my way trying to go and play somewhere else. You know, he's he's 20 years old. He's coming into a very important uh, time in his career, and, and he got 180-some-odd minutes and seven appearances. I, I don't really know that uh, that's where you want to be as a 20-year-old. So I guess it's good for the Revs to, you know, pick up. I'm sure it's a cheap option to keep him around. But if I was Rivera, maybe I'd be saying, hey, look, you know, if there's no role for me here, you know, can I go out on loan like they did with Spalding at the start of last season? Um, you know, so good for the Revs, but I, if I was Rivera, I, I, you know, I might be wanting taking a trip down 95 myself as well. Yeah, you mentioned you mentioned Renix potentially being kind of an easy move down to Rhode Island FC. I think a lot of Rhode Island FC fans have a little bit of hope that uh, the Rhode Island native Damian Rivera might come on loan. That that I think is someone that they have on the top of their mind of being kind of a local kid uh, who's able to uh, open up the franchise uh, wearing their colors. Um, and one other thing I want to note here. And I'll give the full uh, list here in a second. But right now, with the acquisition, they're, they're going to make a trade here. Uh, again, I don't want to spoil it. I don't want to give any spoilers in case anyone doesn't know the player that we're acquiring here. But uh, right now, as of today, the roster stands at, I believe, 27. And then they're going to acquire a player that's going to be 28. Um, the supplemental roster is full, from what I can find. Supplemental roster is Esmir, Joshua Bulma, Noel Buck, Malcolm Fry, Peyton Miller, Jack Paniatu, Santiago Suarez, Jacob Jackson, Damian Rivera, Ryan Spaulding. Those guys all take up supplemental roster spots from what I can see. And then they have 17 other players, uh, Barrero, Bai, Edwards, Carlos, Nacho, Dewan, Mark Anthony K, Henry Kessler, McNamara, Polster, Romney, Vatsleek, Vrioni, Farrell, Harks, Wood, Thomas Shankalai, and then one other player, no spoilers. That's 18 players on the senior roster. So they have two senior roster slots open. Um, 
I think this team needs to acquire more than two players this year. So there's going to be some guys leaving. Uh, I don't think that if the anyone who's on the roster today, their spot is guaranteed for 2024 by any stretch of the imagination. So I wouldn't be shocked to see if some of these players are leaving um, and we can get kind of position by position if you want, but uh, they have three goalies center back. They have Romney Kessler, Farrell, and then Santiago Suarez. They have four center backs there. They have five uh, outside backs Duan, by Spalding Miller. Oh uh, yes. Miller. And then a, uh, uh, Again, no spoilers. Another player coming in. I should have reorganized this differently. Uh, and then you got five central midfielders, Polster, Harks, Kay, Buck, McNamara. You have Carlos Heel. And then you have a ton of wingers, Esmir, Nacho, Paniatu, uh, Rivera, Bulma, Barrero, Shankalai Fry. So, yeah, like Rivera's in that mix as well. So this roster is pretty much right now numbers-wise complete. So some of these guys are expendable. And I think Damian Rivera, I'm glad you said that, because I think Damian Rivera is in that cluster of guys uh, in kind of attacking wingers that really just is seen as expendable right now. And I wouldn't be shocked if he finds his way on loan somewhere at USL. Yeah, and also, too, just to kind of touch upon some of those guys who you know might be on the way out, even though they have those guaranteed contracts. I think everybody's going to be wondering about Thomas last week. Obviously, he had that report on with Czech media where he kind of detailed what you know, from his point of view, was a very poor relationship with Kevin Hitchcock. Not a lot of talk, not a lot of coaching at all. And obviously, he didn't uh, make any appearances after being acquired by the Revolution. You know, I asked Kurt Anafo about that situation and what his role might be. And, you know, he didn't want to speculate. But basically, all he really said is that he is on the roster. And that was pretty much it. So it wasn't exactly a great endorsement. Um, and with Jacob Jackson, obviously still a very young goalkeeper, he showed kind of that youth and kind of that raw ability, but definitely still needs to be refined. And obviously someone like Earl Edward Jr., definitely a quality backup, but especially for possibly a whole season. I don't know if you want that guy being your number one. So they do have some players. You might still need to go out and get a goalkeeper, that true kind of number one. Um, but, you know, Thomas Bosley is also another name. Uh, you know, it was also brought up, uh, Ryan Below mentioned some possible roster kind of flexibilities changing. And, you know, he's later directly asked, I believe it's by Seth uh, Maycomer, if it, you know, he was kind of talking about a fourth DP. And he said, no, that's not, you know, what I was talking about specifically. Um, but maybe there is some roster flexibility. But right now you have three DPs and Giacomo Vrioni, you know, Curtinoffa was kind of hyping him up, talking about how he scored nine goals. But I would say Revolution fans and, you know, media members as well kind of weren't exactly pleased with performance or kind of expected more from him. So if you're going to have a DP like him, especially with this play style, you know, you, we've touched on this where he's not that typical number nine where he's going to be leaping in the air, being physical and, you know, s scoring those headers similar to an Adam Busa. You know, he's going to be making those kind of line breaking runs, getting in behind uh, opponents and I don't know if that exactly fits with the Chef Lewis system. Obviously it can change with a new head coach, but with how this team plays, they love to cross the ball into the box with players like the Juan Jones and Brandon Bias. So definitely, you know, Rioni's a name to keep an eye on, but if I have to guess right now, I think he stays, but it seems quite difficult for someone like Thomas Vosley to stay on this roster. Yeah, and I just want to add a little more context, too, because it's been a few weeks since we've been on the show. And I think the Vetsley comments came 
uh, after our last episode, but he basically said he, he isn't on speaking terms with Kevin Hitchcock. They go out to training and they talk when they need to, but outside of running drills, there isn't really any conversation. It's I actually speculated this last episode that maybe Hitchcock didn't give the stamp of approval on Betzleek and he wanted a different uh, goalkeeper and the Revs essentially out of desperation brought him in. Um, it seems like that there's some sort of truth to that where Betzleek was talking to Arena or you know someone else and before Arena had to resign um, and then was brought in and for whatever reason just doesn't seem to have a very good working relationship with Kevin Hitchcock who uh, according to Tom Quinlan, by the way, of WPRO, uh, he said that Tom, uh, uh, sorry, Kevin Hitchcock is coming back for 2024. So that'll be interesting to see if those two have to work together again, um, if Fetzleek agrees to mutually terminate his contract. Um, that, that's going to be very interesting to see how that develops uh, from, from here on out. So um, before we get to the sporting director, I want to give Tom the last word. Tom, anything you want to add on either the Vatsleek situation or any players on this roster that you think uh, you'd keep your eye on as potentially moving off of the roster, besides Damian Rivera, of course? Uh, the goalkeeping situation, <laughs> first of all, I, how do you go from having the best goalkeeper in MLS by a, a substantial, unquestionable margin to you know the new sporting director in a press conference basically says, we have three goalkeepers. I mean, that was a really – he's Kurtz already seemed – he's pretty polished on how to give an answer without giving an answer. Uh, you know, I really it, – it's really frustrating to see them kind of arrive at this point where, you know, they had an untested rookie that they just kind of threw in at the end of the season it, it, almost randomly. Uh, they have another goalkeeper that they, they brought in that no one seems to really be able to understand if, he, if he's fit or why he's not playing. Uh, you know, and – Edwards Jr., I mean, he's he's a good backup, and I thought he stepped in and he did really well in a, a, obviously a very challenging situation for everybody. Um, so to go from the beginning of the year with Petrovic to the end of the year with you know three goalkeepers and, and no one seems to know what the plan is for any of them, and the goalkeeping coach isn't on speaking terms with the newest one out of the three. So that's uh, – that's that's an interesting situation for them to be in, and it'd be uh, it'd be interesting to see how they they manage to kind of figure that all out. Um, and then you know Veroni, I I don't know. I, I Veroni's a tough one. I think first of all, you know the the money that he's on, I, I don't think it's going to be easy to get rid of him even if even if they wanted to. Uh, you know certainly within MLS, but then turn around and, and flipping him back to Europe. I think maybe he came here with a different expectation that he would maybe come in and do what Buxa did, come in, score a boatload of goals, uh, turn around and go back to Europe, uh, you know, and find himself in a better situation. But that, you know, that that hasn't really transpired. So I think, you know, for better or worse, he's probably going to be around at least for another season. Uh, so hopefully the new coach that comes in can can find a way to to get the most out of him and then also to utilize, you know, the the attacking talent that they have out wide as well. Absolutely agree. And it is worth noting, and you kind of mentioned this, Kurt and Alfo asked about those players, kind of had their backs today, said they're on our roster, not not so much about sleep, but Vrioni, he, he went to bat for it and said, you know, Vrioni scored nine goals in limited time, and he probably would have scored more if he had a full season. So he seemed to at least give the public vote of confidence to Vrioni, which I think most fans don't have that same level of confidence. Um, but uh, it, it seems like he's standing by the guys on the roster for now. Uh, and that includes Vrioni. But Sleek, you mentioned his comment about the three goalkeepers didn't seem as confident uh, in, in Vet Sleek. But uh, 
you know, says he expects him back next year and they're moving forward. So it's going to be interesting to see how those two situations unfold. Uh, one other thing I want to note from the press conference today asked about uh, Sam, you actually asked about Clint PA and then someone else. I'd forget who I apologize. Seth. Seth asked about Richie Williams. Yep. Yep. He asked about Richie Williams and Kevin Hitchcock. PA and Richie Williams were asked at the press conference today and in both of those situations uh, there's kind of a no comment from Kurt Analfo and he basically said he's focused on the head coaching search and then they'll fill out the staff from there he said that in regards to Richie Williams and then specifically on PA said he wasn't going to comment on any candidates uh, so we, we don't know the status of either of those coaches uh, but that's going to be interesting to see if they retain a role in the organization um, let's move on to what the press conference was about if you haven't figured it out by now the Revs have a new sporting director it's Kurt Analfo uh, he gets the interim tag removed moves from technical director up to the sporting director uh, according to uh, Tom Quinlan uh, of WPRO and The Athletic, uh, a finalist for this position uh, was uh, Orlando City SC technical director Ricardo Moreira, uh, who I think a lot of people have high regards for and thought that was a pretty interesting uh, finalist. Uh, again, we talked about potential candidates a few weeks ago, and I don't have a very strong knowledge of all the executives, but he certainly had a, a very good um, resume. Uh, and I believe Tom also reported that former QPR um, head of football operations, Les Ferdinand, was also a finalist for the job. But it goes to Kurt Analfo. Tom, uh, I'll start with you. What's your opinion uh, on Kurt Analfo being named the permanent sporting director? Uh, and do you have any issue with this? <laughs> uh, well, you know, you, you guys mentioned in, in your last pod, right, that you, you were really hoping that that they were were going to show some real ambition with, with the choices that they make uh, in terms of the sporting director and the head coach. Uh, and, you know, I found a way to have that optimism as well. Um, but I, I really struggle to continue to have that ambition after after announcing uh, that, that, that Kurt is going to step into the role. Uh, you know, first of all, there's really kind of no beating around it. You know, he was he was involved or associated with with all the things that happened uh, with the team during the course of the season. That that really, you know, the, the team was in second place in the Eastern Conference, and and I think almost all the reasons that everything unraveled were were off the field issues. And and I don't know how he could say that he didn't have a role in that. And it's it's just surprising that uh, that they've decided to go with him in the role. I think it's a really it's an uninspiring move. Um, you know, you need experience in that role. It, again, I, I think it shows a lack of ambition. Um, you know, his last two stints as a, as a coach were were not terribly successful, and, and they didn't last longer than a season. Uh, and yet he's now the one that is supposed to go and pick the coach that's going to lead uh, this team to success with a roster that, that's capable of, of, of winning right away. Um, so not – not a whole lot to, to be excited about. And, you know, he, he talked up his, his academy success, which, yeah, you, you do have to give him uh, some credit that he's had some success with the academy. But the environment that he was in there is, you know, you're, you're working for the New, New England Revolution Academy. So when you're going to talk to a prospective player in eastern New England about coming and play for the Revs, it's, it's pretty much a no-brainer. You can come and play here. Uh, for the revolution, our you know our top class facilities, uh, it's free to be on the team, uh, or you can go spend you know four or five thousand dollars and go play for a youth club. Uh, you know, so it, that's not a very competitive field. It's pretty much you're going to get the players that you want uh, in that environment. The environment that he's going into now is is totally different. There's there's competition from every team in MLS. Uh, you know, teams all around the world. Uh, so yeah, he had some success with the academy. 
but I, I don't I don't think too too much of that really translates to uh, you know the the role that he's going to have now. Yeah, and you know just to kind of you know go off of that, I definitely would say that it's, it was probably the easy decision. I mean, you already kind of know Anafo, you know what he's able to do, kind of attracting talent, you know especially young talent. I'm also too kind of attracting talent. Brian Below kind of mentioned today. And, you know, Anafo kind of mentioned how he played a role in Gustavo Bo coming here. Um, obviously, I, I would say, you know, making sure that Thomas Shankly stays here as a DP. But it really seemed, you know, I, I mentioned this as well um, earlier. It just seems like this was the easy decision and that this team was ripe for a fresh start. And, you know, you mentioned, you know, getting someone from QPR. I think, obviously, that, that kind of stands out. But even getting someone like Marrero, you look at Orlando, they're doing a very good job. And, you know, I think they've been able to create a great team. And if you were able to get someone like that, you know, I think it'd be good. But I just think this team kind of needed a fresh start. You're more than likely, or at least uh, I would say it's expected. I don't think we're going to have Richie Williams as head coach. And I don't think well, Clint Pia is head coach. So I think you're going to get a fresh face in here. And I think if you had that from the top down, really usher in this new era of the New England Revolution with kind of a, a whole new staff. Um, I think that would be the best way to go. Um, obviously, I think the Vasily situation is a blemish on his resume so far. Obviously, he has tons of, you know, pros and check marks when it comes to that young talent. You know, bringing Malcolm Fries and Old Bucks, um, Jack Paniotu, Esmir Barakarovic is. Um, but you know, you go out and make that signing of Thomas Vasily, and he doesn't even, you know, roll into the picture, make an impact at all. Obviously, I think with Thomas Shankalai, it was a pretty easy decision. Um, I think anyone uh, would have made that decision. So I think it's going to be a really important offseason. It's a tough job. I think this coaching search is very crucial. You're going to need to really, you know, get players to buy in after a difficult year. And with the roster you have, you should be at the top of Eastern Conference, if not the very top, and, you know, be competing for trophies. You have Carlos Heel continuing to get older, and this window is, you know, starting to get, you know, close. You really need to capitalize on what you have, especially as loves to be talked about in American soccer landscapes, the World Cup coming in 2026. So definitely think it's the easy decision. You know, kind of have to wait and see what happens. But I, w- I would definitely say that from what I've seen from Reds fans, they, they aren't exactly excited about this move. Sam, just, oh, sorry. Sam, just, Sam you, you were at the press conference. Did, he, did he actually say that they just started the head coaching search yesterday? I thought he, that's what he said. He very much did, Tom. It, it, it's interesting, obviously. You know, you have uh, <laughs> you know someone come out and publicly and say that. Is that the case? You, you have to wonder because obviously, you know, and I was almost going to ask this, uh, but the press conference kind of got uh, cut off. I think it was around a half hour. So uh, definitely I bet they were a little bit uh, – knackered after answering all those questions but you know when you have a Portland going out and getting Phil Neville um you know that's someone that I I immediately when the revolution job opened up you know I I heard that he would be kind of like not a candidate I'm not saying that you know the Reds interviewed him or anything but he was kind of immediately tied to it you already have you know him getting a job with Portland there's so many positions out there for Perspective coaches to get, and they're very advantageous. Obviously, the Revolution have an advantageous roster, and you know this is still a team that can compete. Um, so obviously, Kurt mentioned how they're inundated with resumes. So I think it started in some cases, 
Anafo might be publicly saying uh, that it's just started now that he's formally introduced, but I mean, he's been serving as intern sporting director and now he's just, ter- it's not permanent. So he's still a sporting director after all this time. So maybe he was able to get that work underway and uh, I don't know why he would want to feign uh, that it's just starting now. Uh, but, I, you know, talking with Greg as well, too, it, it, it would seem surprising if they were quite literally, you know, he signs the papers. They're like, all right, now it's time to go get a head coach. I, I would at least I would like to think that isn't what happened. Well, and one thing that I I think fans are worried about is that, you know, Bruce Arena brought all of the success. Right. I think. I think there's a, a feeling of can the Revs do this without Bruce Arena? And if I'm playing devil's advocate and I'm trying to defend the Anolfo decision, and I have some quotes here from um, from Brian Bolello, where he seems like he makes it sound that Kernolfo was instrumental in this team's success. Here, I think he's done an excellent job with the pro pathway that we've built here with Kurt. And then you look at player transactions and bring players to the club. I know where Kurt has played a role and what players he's helped bring to this club or what transaction he was involved with. Um, so he seems to be giving Kurt a lot of credit with the moves that have been made and essentially giving him a lot of credit. And then he also talks about the the pro pathway. And you know, both him and Kurt talked up about having one of the stronger academies in the league, which is true, to be fair, as Tom pointed out. And And when he arrived here, it was not very good. And there's also... I thought it was interesting that Anolfo highlighted that you still have the scouting department. Anolfo says, I was in charge of the scouting department. And he says, all of our scouting staff is still in place. Chris Tierney is still here. The thing that the team is selling us on is that Bruce is gone, Dave is gone, Shalri is gone. But the majority of people that were here when we hit this period of success, you know, we're still intact. We're still good, right? The problem that I have is one, you listen to Omar Gonzalez's comments at the end of the season, and there was a lack of leadership in this organization. Has that changed? I'm not sure. I really don't know. And then two, and and this was brought up to me on uh, where I was talking to someone on Twitter last night, someone said, it seems like this is the thing the old revs would have done. They would have done the most convenient thing. And I kind of thought about it, and it took them three months. It's been three months since Bruce Arena resigned to name their interim sporting director the permanent director. And now they're saying, this is probably a lie, or, or at least not a lie, but um, maybe they're exaggerating, but now they're saying the coaching search is, is starting. They had a two-month head start on their sporting director search and their head coaching search over all the other teams in Major League Soccer. And today they're saying they're starting their head coaching search today, and they want to have a coach in place before preseason. If I'm a head coach... You know, Anolfo keeps saying that this is a big club and this is a good team and this is, you know, one of the better jobs in MLS. And that might be true. But the problem is if I'm a head coach, if I'm Savarisi and I'm, you know, I'm coming in, I'm reporting to Kurt Anolfo. Kurt Anolfo is handing me a roster of 28 players. There's 28 players on the roster right now. There's not a lot of room. There's not a lot of flexibility. A lot of decisions have been made. So essentially, if you're a head coach, you're coming in, you're being handed a roster and this roster might not like the front office. This roster might not like the club president because of some drama that happened last year. I think that's going to turn off a lot of coaches and this isn't a very inspiring sporting director choice, but to me, I'm not very 
confident that we're going to have a very inspiring head coaching choice. And I know I, I, it's going to be someone from MLS. They've kind of said that they value MLS experience, but I, I think there's going to be some guys. There's 10, uh, nine or 10 other openings throughout the league. I think they're going to lose out on a really, really good candidate because someone's going to look and say, this is a bit of a mess and I don't want any part of this. Yeah. And just, you know, kind of to that point, it just seems that ever since, you know, the course of events that we are now on was kickstarted with it being announced that Bruce Arena, you know, was put on leave. It just seems like the Reds were reactionary. And I think, you know, it, it was kind of even something that that was mentioned. It just seemed like ever since that has happened, they've been on the back foot. And it just, this seems like another case of that is that you've already had a team go and get someone you've already had, other, you know, organizations kind of begin their coaching search. And now, at least publicly, you're saying that you have just started your coaching search. It just seems like you're on the back foot. It seems like you're ripe for possibly losing out on candidates. And you never want to be in, on, on, on the back foot. You want to be proactive and, you know, making sure you're doing the right thing and are able to utilize all the options you have. So, again, hearing those comments, you know, kind of like what Thomas, you know, was saying it, it kind of almost stunned you. I don't think anyone thought that they would just be beginning their coaching search. You know, how many weeks since they've been eliminated? You know, we're in December right now. The super draft, I believe, is in probably around 20 days. And you're going to, you know, be making selections for the potential future of your roster in terms of these young players. And you don't have a head coach. And you've, you know, according to Anafo, just started that coaching search. It just, again, it seems like the Reds are just on the back foot. Thomas, uh, do you want to get the last word here? I, I don't know if you have anything else to say. It seems like we're all pretty down on this one, but uh, in case you have anything else to add, I'll, I'll let you get the last word here. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, whoever comes in now, you know, the free agency opens up, uh, you know, in, in the middle of the month. The, the super draft isn't that far after that. You know, obviously the, the options decisions have already been made. So whoever comes in, I think the first question that they're going to have to be asked is, you know, are you, are you think you can win with this roster? Because, uh, this is probably going to be the roster. It's you know it's going to be tough for him to show up, whoever the, you know whoever it is in in the middle of January and trying to assess a roster. And it's going to be tough to make moves. And and you know everyone else is is going to be mostly done with what they're trying to do in their off season. Uh, you know I look. <laughs> No, no offense to somebody like Tab Ramos, but I, you know, is 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 that going to be the next uninspiring thing that happens? That they just kind of look around and like, well, he's been a head coach before. Why don't we just uh, why don't we just give him the job and see how he does? You know, and I, I, that was the first thing that popped in my head today is, is, is it, it's an awful this week and in two weeks, it's going to be Ramos. And again, you know, no offense to Ramos, but you know, I, I think we all know how his, his stint in Hartford went. And uh, I, I, you know, I, I just kind of feel like maybe that's what we're going to get in, in two or three weeks times. Another, another uninspiring appointment from someone who just kind of happens to be here already. Well, and, and with an too, you know, I, I assume this has been done for weeks. It seems like it was kind of circling around this point. We've kind of talked about how it's weird that we're making these moves without a sporting. It's weird Malcolm Fry is getting promoted. So I'm sure there's been kind of some understanding that he's going to be named. But the head coach, you can't really just like look around and say, well, you're here. So let's, you you know, with Anolfo, I don't want to say this was convenient, but there was an option. With a head coach, you really have to bring someone from the outside in and get them caught up. Um, and if not, you're right. Like, PA, Richie Williams, Tab Ramos, like those aren't coaches like th those should not be on the list. And, and all due respect to those guys, they, sh they should not be 
the on on the list for this head coaching job. And I, I'm I'm glad to hear Anolfo saying that this is a big club and we're going for it. And he's saying the right things publicly in regards to the head coaching search. I think it's just going to be a little bit difficult to get their number one candidate. Um, and like you said, if they end up turning to Tab Ramos and saying, "Boy, preseason's coming up quick. Hey, you know these guys. Come on over." That I, I think a lot of heads are going to explode. So. Um, <laughs> So it's Sam, did he, did, did they really not clarify what's going on with Richie Williams? Like, I mean, th- cause I thought I heard that in the press conference as well. Like I hear some of this stuff and it's like, nah, I must've misheard it. I was listening to it at work. Um, did it, I mean, nah, you, you, you know, you, I mean, it's exactly how it is. It's basically, I, I kind of get it with, you know, if you're, you're going to bring in a new head coach and you don't want to essentially name someone to his staff, I guess, per se, you, you want to give him that ability to bring in his own guys. Um, but yeah, especially kind of, you know, with Clint, he's someone already in the organization and, you know, Anofo didn't want to comment. And then same thing, you know, with Richie just didn't really want to give a comment or talk about his status. So it's another one of those things. It, it was very kind of interesting when that press release came out that Shari Joseph and Dave Vandenberg were essentially no longer with the organization. It just completely left Richie out of it. And then we have to later find out that he's been given time off. So it just seems for right now, all we can assume is that Richie still has time off. And, you know, according to below, you know, when he made those first remarks is that he was still with the organization. So at least for right now, I know there was some reporting that his contract expired at the end of the season. So maybe he's out of contract per se. Uh, but again, it's another question mark. We don't really have an answer, and I don't know when we'll get an answer. It might take until that head coach uh, is named. Well, and it comes again. Trust the players don't didn't seem to trust Richie, and we don't know what happened. You know, there's there's still a lot of question marks to exactly what happened and who's in the right and who's in the wrong. But at the end of the day, are the players going to respond to Richie Williams, even as an assistant? I think there's major question marks there. I, I have question marks about Curtin Alfo being the sporting director. If players, you know, what's the feeling in the locker room about that? We, we don't know. Um, and I think Richie Williams would be a lot more direct and day to day with the players. And I think that might, you know, still still cause a little bit of uneasiness. So I get the direction the team is going in. I understand, like on paper. All right, here's a guy that's been here, been part of our success. He's been a good technical director. Let's move him up to sporting director. Like on paper, this works, but really, this team is opting not to do a fresh start. And I, I think a lot of people are kind of scratching our heads, like I don't know about this one. Like we really, we probably, we probably should have gotten a fresh start. We probably should have found some new leadership. Um, and, and you just got to hope that maybe Omar Gonzalez, maybe he's alone in what he was saying. I doubt it. Uh, but you know, it seems like there's just a lot of questions with this organization, just rolling over the same roster and rolling over the same leadership and rolling over the same executives. That might not be a winning formula, but we'll see. Maybe they work it out. We shall see. Sound, sounds like the good old days. <laughs> a lot of people think we're going back to the old revs. We'll find out soon. Actually, while, speaking while we're on Bruce Arena talk, Bruce Arena putting his name into the Charlotte FC discussion. Uh, our last, or one of our last episodes, we talked about him expressing interest in DC United. Apparently, he is expressing interest in Charlotte FC as well. Someone close to Bruce Arena clearly has Tom Bogart's uh, cell phone number and is uh, asking them, please, please tell us, hey, Tell everyone that Bruce Arena is on the market, um, but apparently Charlotte FC has him listed as a candidate. Who knows if that means he's going very far, but 
he's expressing interest in jobs publicly. Um, either of you guys, I don't, I don't think you guys were, were on when we were talking about Bruce Arena to DC United, so I'll give you a chance. Sam, we'll go to you first. Uh, what's your reaction if Bruce Arena works in Major League Soccer again? Well, I mean, I think if he works in Major League Soccer again, considering that he came out with a resignation where he admitted fault something. So, again, Bruce Arena did something bad enough to have to express regret. Um, and considering that MLS came out and said that he would have to petition to the league if he did want to, you know, coach again or, you know, I guess even just be a part of the league in general in some working capacity. I think that either Bruce or the league itself would have to come out and kind of tell what happened. I mean, I understand this was an HR situation and this was kind of a workplace incident. And, you know, according to Omar Gonzalez, it's not like it was taken to res HR, it's taken straight, you know, the league's HR, quote unquote. So there's all that legality and all those minutiae that you have to deal with. But I think if he's going to be able to be a coach in MLS, which is a privileged position, you know, there's definitely a lot of assistant coaches and just coaches in general out there who would love to, you know, be a head coach of their own MLS organization. Uh, there needs to be some clarity on what happened. Obviously, if Bruce was to be named, I'll be right there signing up to make sure I'm on that uh, Zoom call or whatever press conference it may be. Um, and if he doesn't give any clarity on it, I do think the league itself should provide some clarity to basically make sense of, number one, why the revolution kind of ended up having to part ways. Obviously, Arena resigned himself, but I think if obviously nothing happened, uh, I think he would probably still be head coach right now. And, you know, basically why he technically deserves to, you know, be involved in the league. So I think there would have to be some clarity. Again, kind of like you mentioned, it just seems like Bruce wants to get his name out there and, you know, definitely doing a good job of that for the athletic and kind of, you know, showing that he's interested in this job and wants to continue coaching. Um, but I don't exactly know if it's anything more than that. But if he does get one of those positions, I think there does need to be some clarity. Uh, yeah, I, I completely agree with, with everything Sam said. I mean, it, we don't even know why he's not here. So that would be that would be the first. If, if him getting a new position means that MLS or the club that hires him or Bruce Arena himself would, would have to actually come out and, and say, look, this is what happened and, and this is what he, he said or this is what he did, you know, okay, fine. At least at least we would know. Um, but otherwise, it's just it, – it's a very strange situation. You know, usually you know, you know, if a coach that was at a club that you're the, a, a supporter of and they turn up somewhere else, you know, well, you know why they left and you can have your opinions. Uh, but we don't even know why he's not here. So it's it's tough to have an opinion on, you know, if he turns up at Charlotte, if he turns up at D.C. United. Uh, I, I, I totally agree with Sam. You know, it, we, there would have to be some explanation as to – why is he no longer in New England and, and what happened? What happened that was so bad that he had to leave? Uh, but then uh, six months later, he's able to to turn up somewhere else. Absolutely. I, I think MLS and this is an MLS investigation, so they have some questions to answer for. I don't know if we'll ever get those answers, but certainly if we see Bruce Arena pop up again, I, I think a lot of questions, even outside of New England, I think a lot of people are going to look at this sideways uh, and think this isn't right. And I believe uh, Ben Wright, who covers uh, Nashville SC, made a, a similar comment where he said either he made a comment that's so bad he can't coach, you know, he, he shouldn't be coaching the Revs and he shouldn't be coaching in Major League Soccer, or this was nothing important uh, and we can move on. But either way, it needs to be clarified because 
a lot of people are going to presume he's guilty, uh, but the, the consequences are that uh, he was innocent. So it's, it's very interesting. It's a very unique situation. Um, and I think Major League Soccer will have a major headache on their hands uh, if a team wants to, hire, <clears throat> wants to hire Bruce Arena. So let's get back to the revs. Let's get back to some news. Uh, first off, the big news uh, since we had our last podcast, Thomas Shankalai, we mentioned it. Uh, his purchase option uh, was exercised. I believe the revs, it was a $3 million fee for 75% of his rights or something like that. Um, so essentially it's a 25% sell on fee uh, when he moves elsewhere. Uh, he is a designated player. He signs a three year deal uh, with a team option for 2027. So he has a guaranteed contract through 2026. I believe this is going to be uh, a very short answer, a very easy question, but Tom, any disagreement with this move? No, uh, no brainer. Anyone with eyes uh, can see that he clearly is someone that you would want on your team. And, you know, they, they had a DP slot available. I, th- I think the best thing is, is that they, they got it done early, uh, you know, when it's this painfully, obviously a good idea. Uh, at least now we don't have to go into the beginning of the season with this, you know, are they going to pick, uh, you know, are they going to, are they going to buy him? Are they not going to buy him? You know, it's done, it's resolved. Um, but I mean, I don't, I don't know how you could, uh, I don't know how you could muck this one up. Yeah. I was just going to say exactly like Thomas said, you know, you could have really messed this up. It, it just seemed clear and obvious and kind of projecting, looking ahead to the future, whenever Dylan Barrero is healthy, just imagining Barrero and Shankala on the wings, you know, I would not want to be an outside back or, you know, a back line having to go up against them. So very excited to see what he'll be able to do a little bit more comfort, especially as well, knowing that he's going to be able to make New England home for uh, some years, uh, but definitely excited that he's coming back and, Again, an easy decision uh, to make. Well, let's get into maybe more of a not so much of a no-brainer move. And I know all of our listeners are sitting on pins and needles waiting to know who's the 28th man. Uh, It is Nick Lima. Uh, Nick Lima, outside back from Austin FC. The Athletic is reporting that he is going to the Revolution for $275,000 in GAM. Last year, according to MLSPA data, he made $375,000 in base salary and guaranteed compensation. So you can expect him to be in the high threes, maybe low fours uh, for his salary next year. Could not find when his contract ends, although there are some people in Austin that cover Austin uh, that speculate his contract ends next season. So this might be a rental type of player. Um, And also I do not have the name of the Austin podcast that uh, reported this rumor, but they said that Lima was going to be traded and the revolution were a likely destination. But the athletic has said uh, that is uh, confirmed and and we can expect this trade to be completed when the trade window opens in 10 days uh, on December 11th. Uh, Although if you're listening to this tomorrow, I guess it's nine days, but you get my point. Uh, Tom, what's your thought about the acquisition of Nick Lima? Oh, uh, to be honest, I, I don't know too too much about him. Uh, but you know, I think it's pretty obvious that they, they need some cover until Bai is able to make a you know a complete return, and I don't think they're going to want to rush that in in any way, shape, or form. You know, in terms of bringing him back into games and then very slowly increasing his game time. You know, I think the last thing they would want to have is is to bring him back too early. So if they have you know another viable option, and I don't know that there's too many other viable options at outside back besides Jones. Uh, I think it's a, it's a pretty smart move to at the very least, you know, give them cover until, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure the guys they want out there are, are, are buying Jones. Yeah. And just kind of, you know, to Tom's point, uh, you know, I will say Greg, I did actually have it pulled up uh, cause we have a lovely scouting report with our friend Phil West from uh, Verde all day who covers uh, Austin FC. It was moon tower 
soccer podcast, they were kind of the first to indicate that Lima would likely, or you know, I, I apologize for how they worded it, but they were they were kind of first uh, on Nick Lima move. But it, it's a good death move. I don't think he's exactly going to, you know, all of a sudden light up uh, the field, you know, whether it be scoring goals or assists. But I think it just adds that death. And we saw that last season when Brandon By went down, you had Juan Jones, uh, you know, kind of going through a little spurt as well. Also, too, getting called up to U.S. Men's National Team. That position was really exposed, and you have to go out and bring Ryan Spaulding back from loan. Obviously, he's performing well. But you didn't really have any cover there. And Ben Sweat was brought in and it was just a failure. And obviously he's gone. Uh, it'll be interesting to see where he ends up. But unfortunately, his time in New England uh, did not go well. And you really didn't have a lot of options to outside back. You have to bring Matt Polster kind of operating this injured wing back role, which was quite interesting to see. I don't think it worked out as well. So I think overall, just having that depth option and someone like Nick Lima is good. I don't think he's going to all of a sudden light things up, um, but I think he'll be solid. He'll be steady and just kind of be a, a calming presence you can bring off the bench. Yeah, I agree with everything you guys have said there. And I also wonder, too, if when Brandon Bike comes back, we saw Ryan Spaulding go on loan when Ben Sweat came in. I wonder if when Brandon By comes back uh, from and recovers from injury, then you kind of have kind of a cluster uh, at outside back. And apparently Nick Lima can play both right and left back. I wonder if Ryan Spaulding, we see him go back out on loan once they kind of have that cover there and he goes down to USL like he did with the Tampa Bay Rowdies. Um, so that may, may be something that down the road they might be planning a few steps ahead. But you're right. Outside back depth has been a real issue with this team. It doesn't seem like there's a lot of confidence. Pey- Peyton Miller certainly is a high prospect, but he's still very, very young. I don't expect him to get too many minutes with the first team next season. So I think this is shoring up uh, that outside back depth. I think he's going to be stepping in for Brandon by uh, right off the bat and allowed Dewan Jones to move back to left back where he plays the majority of the time. So I, I think this is a good move. Do we want to do grade the trade? I'm, I'm going to give this a solid B, uh, B plus. Uh, I think this is kind of a minor depth move, but um, I think for the price that they're getting him for, they're expecting him to fill a starting role. I, I, and, and how bad the team was without Brandon by at the end of last season. Uh, I'm, I'm really fine that they went out and they addressed this right off the bat. Tom, we'll start with you. Do you have a grade for this trade? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a B. It, it doesn't, you know, it's, it's not anything to get too, too excited about. Again, it's just, it's a, okay. You know, smart move, gave yourself some cover uh, at a position that, you know, you know, like you both said, once by went down last season, uh, it, was, it, it was just like, you know, they're coming up with some new solution every week as to who the two guys on the outside of the team were going to be. Uh, so, yeah. So, you know, it's a solid B. It's a little bit of cover. And and like you said, you know, Spalding, uh, you know, he's 25 years old. If, if he's getting some time in the first half of the season and see his men start to dry up, you know, for him personally, uh, like you said, I think he's going to be a guy that's going to say, look, you know, I, I want to play as much as possible. And they do the reverse of what they did last year. They get him out on loan uh, in the second half after Bai comes back. Sam, what's your grade here? Yeah, just to be a contrarian, I'll give it more of a C plus. It's just a it's a mid trade, as the kids would often say, very mid. Uh, you know, <laughs> I don't think it really excites you. I don't think it, you know you know it gets the people going. It's just you know someone who can come off the bench and you know be you know that steady guy, that guy that you you hope won't make any mistakes, who can you know be that veteran. Don't know if you know this, U.S. Men's National Team call up for Nick Lima. Remember those days. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think this will knock your socks off, but hopefully, you know, he does his job as 
a fellow uh, occupant of Joint Stadium would like to say. Sam, would you call this move uninspiring? <laughs> uh, I don't know if I'd call it uninspiring. Uh, uh, it's not inspiring. I don't know if I'd call it uninspiring, but it's not inspiring. That is what I'll say. I will say, uh, apparently in 2017, he was a finalist for both MLS Defender of the Year and MLS Rookie of the Year. Shout out Wikipedia for that fun fact. So, And yeah, former former uh, United States call-up, nine call-ups with the national team. So, you know, obviously... Those were that was half a decade ago, uh, 2019. Uh, Defender of the Year nomination was 2017. But as I say, affordable price. He's going to have a, a bit of a major role, and I, I think I'd rather have him there than Andrew Farrell. So I, I, I'm not inspired, but I'm not uninspired. I'd put it that way. So um, let's get to some more uh, uninspiring news. One more item on the agenda, uh, and we didn't want to cut this uh, from our agenda, unlike uh, the Massachusetts uh, House of Representatives. But that was good thank you thank you i like this guy he laughs at my jokes sam why don't you laugh at my jokes anymore oh now you're now you're faking it sam give me your thoughts on the soccer stadium language being removed uh from the budget uh budget bill second year in a row uh the revs have some language that's trying to pave a pathway uh for a soccer specific stadium in everett seemed like there was some revised language seemed like uh the city of everett was getting um some some nice little perks uh but uh at the end of the day uh i i don't i don't follow the political process of this budget bill whatsoever but it seems like at the end of the day uh it was kind of holding up things and they kicked it to the curb so another defeat uh for the revs stadium efforts any thoughts uh on the most recent futile attempt for the revs to get a soccer specific stadium yeah, you know, it's really interesting. I uh, always love kind of harkening back to my days when I, I was a local uh, news uh, reporter and having to watching those meetings and realizing politicians just being on recess and literally not doing anything. And I think according to, you know, some reports, uh, Massachusetts uh, government is like the least productive in all the country. So that's amazing. Um, but yeah, I think in general, when it comes to the stadium, it just was kind of, like you said, kind of bogging things up and they just wanted to make sure they got the entire bill passed and that's what ended up happening. Uh, I, I I would say I'm quite bullish though in the stadium in the sense that we did have that, you know, uh, MUA or MOA come up with the city of Everett and NRS LLC. What's the funniest thing um, I heard in response to that coming out is that NRS LEC stands for New Revolution Stadium, which I think would be hilarious. Um, but, you know, you have that agreement and you have that base there, which I think is very important. It seems like Everett is quite invested in getting this stadium there. And obviously the revolution would love to get a soccer specific stadium of their own. You know, we always, especially for me being there, that Carlos Hill MVP ceremony where we got to talk to Taylor Twelman. And he said, this is the closest that's ever been. You know, it does seem like they're progressing in the right direction. And when it comes to it possibly coming back, you know, a lot of great reporting uh, from the Boston Globe, especially John Chester. But essentially, you know, it could possibly come back in a in a formal session, which I believe begins in January. So you might have to wait some time, but it could come up again. But it would have to be kind of its own separate line item, own separate bill compared to being a part of this larger spending bill. But overall, definitely sucks. And it just seems like whenever we get our hopes up, uh, we are let down when it comes to a revolution stadium. Uh, but I'm still hopeful, I, especially with that agreement coming out. At least me, maybe it, it's my uh, young, naive way. I think that, you know, a stadium could be coming, especially just with how supportive Everett's been. 
Tom, what's your thoughts on uh, the soccer specific stadium uh, in Everett uh, failing uh, for the second year in a row? Uh, you know, I, I don't know why, but I, I, I actually was pretty optimistic about it as well. Um, and I'm not young, so I don't really know where that, that optimism came from, but you know, it makes sense. Look, the, the Encore Casino is, 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 is there. Uh, the space next to it is, you know, it, it's a closed power plant. It just seemed like, you know, okay, that makes sense. That's an area that they're 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 clearly trying to redevelop. You know, that casino. I'm sure that casino wants as many other attractions around it as possible, and 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 vice versa. So it it made just enough sense to think that maybe it would happen, uh, and then it didn't happen, and then it was like, well, okay, yeah, but you know, we, we've been here before. Um, but I do think, you know, like Sam said, it, it would have to be a, a standalone bill, you know, by itself, and and you know try and get it in where there's just there's not enough opposition or enough people that just aren't interested in, in stopping it from happening uh and and it goes through it, it seems like a good location uh you know they've been talking about how important it is to be you know close to boston having their own stadium uh and you know look i i get that and, you know i've i've been to the stadiums in in montreal and toronto and New Jersey and and DC and it, it's a great experience. You know, it's really nice to go to a smaller stadium that is clearly you know set up for the the team that you're going to watch. Um, you know, but I don't know where the optimism came from. But uh, <laughs> maybe next year. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure next budget bill we'll be having this conversation again. I will say the fact that they're not giving up on Everett and they're revising and they've come back with a stronger plan makes me feel like this is it. Uh, or at least they're they're putting a lot of eggs in this basket, and it seems like Everett is on board, the team is on board, Win is on board. Um, I still have a lot of questions about the layout, but uh, Bolello did say today he still feels it's a viable option. Um, so uh, I'm curious to see where they go next, and I think this is the closest they've been, but they're still pretty far away. So we'll we'll see how it goes. And I think one other thing that I'm raising concern about is that uh, Mayor Wu seems to be. Uh, not too happy uh, that she was not brought into these talks uh, and said that this is going to impact transportation uh, and traffic in and out of Boston pretty severely. And she would have appreciated uh, being circled in. And I don't remember her making comments last year. So in a way, that might be a sign that maybe this is real uh, and maybe that uh, this has gotten her attention that maybe there is uh, some more smoke uh, over at Everett. But uh, the fact that she seems pretty opposed to this idea, uh, I don't think is very promising for the revolution. So we'll see. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll be back next year for this uh, fake optimism. So uh, that just about does it. That's all the news for now. Uh, Tom, where can people find your new work? Uh, where, where can people find you on social media or find your work? Uh, with the blazing musket on Substack, that is, uh, that is actually just about it. I don't have any social media of any kind except for Substack. Um, so yeah, that's the dream. Yeah, that, that is absolutely the dream. I've deleted Twitter off my phone. I'm not looking at it anymore unless I'm home at the desktop. Uh, so if you DM me, uh, it might take me a while to respond. But uh, that is the dream, uh, and God bless you, Tom. So you can find Tom on Substack. Sam, where can people find your writing? I mean, you can also find my writing uh, at the Blazing Musket. Make sure to check it out. Uh, gonna have a ton of off-season content. Obviously, gonna be covering the Revs, but also Vermont Green as well too. Um, so yeah, make sure to you know give us a follow. We are on social media. We are not mature like Tom and realizing that it's absolutely ruining <laughs> our lives. Um, 
we we got to make that decision one day, and I commend you, Tom, for making that decision. Uh, but yeah, follow uh, the Blazing Musket on Twitter at Blazing Musket, and follow us on Instagram. We got our YouTube channel uh, publishing videos there. You can check out the full NAFO introductory presser there as well too. But yeah, just check out our work on the Blazing Musket. That would be really nice if you could do that. And you can follow us on Twitter at Revolution Recap, and we are on social media across the board. Go follow us on Instagram, Facebook. If you have a Threads account, be our friend on Threads. We have Threads. And also, also, I created a Blue Sky account. So if you're on Blue Sky, Whoa. yeah, you can find Revolution Recap what, there. What now. is Blue Sky? That's the new one. I don't know. There's there's one every few months. I'm there. I don't know. I, oh. I will. I will. I will. Blue Sky like once a week. So, but we're there. So you can follow us there if you'd like. Um, more importantly, make sure you leave us a review on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you're listening. Uh, we always appreciate uh, ratings and reviews always makes our day. Uh, and we will be back whenever there's more news. I believe the uh, trade window opens December 11th. I believe the Super Draft is a few days after that. Free Agency also opens that week. So we will have at least one more episode before the end of the year. Uh, but whenever new news drops, uh, we will be bringing it to you. So thank you, everyone, for listening. Hopefully, unlike the revolution, you found this podcast inspiring. And we will talk to you next time. Thanks for listening, and go Revs. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.